Good morning, everyone. Talk Radio 930 WCAD. The Mary Griffith Show is underway, brought to you by Refreshment Services Pepsi and Harvest Ridge Coffee. Enjoy a delicious cup of Harvest Ridge Coffee today, whether you get their Hawaiian Kona blend or you like their deep roast Colombian, whatever type of coffee suits your needs. Harvest Ridge has a coffee for you. We just use a regular old house blend here at the Radio Ranch, and we love it. So get it, brew it at home, or get it at your local convenience store, Harvest Ridge Coffee by Refreshment Services Pepsi. Happy New Year, Dr. Brandon Breening. Happy New Year. I loved it. Uh, You were on last year, and you were talking about some New Year's resolutions, and I remember uh, you saying that the most important thing is if you break your resolution, whatever it is, to save money, to lose weight, to get healthier, whatever, just get right back on the bandwagon as quickly as possible. Get up there and and take off again, right? That That's right. That's really the key to, to making any changes in our lives. we got to just keep trying because we're bound to fail at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just kind of human nature. It's yeah, that's, more what, what, that's you what human beings are all about. do afterwards that makes the difference. Well, let's talk a little bit about the practice of chiropractic. Um, it's changed so much. Not that the practice has changed that much, but people's perceptions. In my lifetime, um, and I, your your grandmother was my doctor for many years. Your aunt was my doctor for any for many years. You're my doctor now. Uh, the perception of people in chiropractic has changed uh, to where medical doctors wouldn't even acknowledge that chiropractors existed, and now we have chiropractors on the staff at medical facilities, including hospitals right here. So, why do you think the public has become so much more accepting? of the bone and muscle manipulation that is the critical aspect of chiropractic. Yeah, well, I think we've always known that it worked. I think the the bigger problem was the whole lawsuit thing where the American Medical Association tried to eliminate chiropractic from uh, practicing. Like, they literally threatened to yank any doctor's license uh, that that uh, would support a chiropractor. So uh, they, even if that that medical doctor thought that that it was a good thing, they they couldn't support it because they'd lose their ability to practice. Uh, the American Medical Association wouldn't support them, and that was a whole great big court case thing back in the '90s. Uh, and really, the late '80s, early '90s is when things really started turning around. Um, you know, I heard stories of other chiropractors. They'd be sitting at a restaurant, and people would start uh, making duck noises at them, right? So uh, that that's the kind of thing that happened when my grandma started practicing. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it we've known that that getting joints in a line and moving things and and stopping uh, restriction uh, in the body helps things to just move better. Nerve flow. Yeah, nerve flow. It's all about your nerve impulses. Your brain is telling your body to do something. That's why when you break your neck, you're paralyzed. Yeah, absolutely. Your your brain is saying, get up and walk. But your body won't obey it because it's not getting the nerve. It can't get the signal. Right. So, And, and, you know, I've found, too, with a lot of people that that, uh, are sick and they just can't shake something out of their head, Uh, One of the first things I check is to make sure that their neck is in alignment. Because if their neck is just, we have to drain everything out of our head through our neck. And our head is bigger than our neck, so it's kind of a a bottleneck uh, to to getting things through there. So if that isn't draining well, 
then you're never going to get that out of your head or it will just take forever and ever and ever. So, And it, it's the human body. We're learning more and more and more every day. I mean, I was watching 60 Minutes this weekend and they're talking about nuclear fusion and how, you know, it's not unheard of now to think that in 20 years, forget gasoline, forget electric cars, we're going to have a nuclear fusion uh, reaction in our yeah. whatever vehicle, whatever a car looks like at that point, you know, and we'll just uh, uh, make energy out of c- uh, colliding hydrogen molecules together. So scientific approaches keep getting more and more and more advanced. And yet the for years, people have been wondering, well, how does this work? How does this work? And things like lymph and uh, fluids and all this. Yeah. It, it, it's very complex. It is. It is. And we, uh, medically, uh, we tend to be more pragmatic. Uh, one of the examples I always like to give is uh, the, the use of white willow bark. Right? We, as a humans, we use white willow bark for forever to dull our pain and to, to get through things. It wasn't until the 1960s that we figured out the actual mechanism of what was happening in our body when we had that white willow bark uh, to make us feel better. So uh, medically, we, 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 we do a lot of things where we know this works, we're not always 100% sure of why, but somebody somewhere sometime will figure it out. And white willow bark is the common name for bare aspirin, right? Yes. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting, the tie between the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry, and not so much the chiropractic industry, although now more people are getting into what's called supplementation rather than pharmacology. But the white willow bark, figuring out it does work, but I don't have all day to chew on a branch. Is there a compound in there that I can take and magnify and concentrate and put it in a little pill and sell something that, you know, basically if, as long as I've got a grove of white willow trees, I have an un, un, always reliable supply of this stuff. It's, it's kind of genius how they've compounded pharma, pharmaceutical compounding, isn't it? It it is, um, you know, the same with uh, statins. Statins, uh, the original thing that they found with statins was uh, red rice yeast, right? Uh, and so that, if you're taking uh, that as a supplement, you're still getting, you, you still need to take CoQ10, right? Because you're still depleting your statin, your CoQ10 supply, because it, it is a form of statin. It's a more natural form, so it has some more buffers to it. Um, you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons that they really went into finding something and going and taking it out of nature, too, is you can't trademark a plant. Right? Uh-huh. So, you can't make money on it. And well, you can still make money on it, but, but you can't, you can't say this is mine and mine alone and nobody else can use it. Yeah, I'm so, the only one that has red rice, red right. rice yeast. No, right. that's not going to be true. So we do, I mean, if you turn on your television set and you channel surf over the three billion channels now available, you're going to have everybody under the sun telling you to buy this bottle of something that will make you feel better somehow. Dr. Brandon Breening, you're uh, with Breening Total Wellness. You do a lot of holistic. You do a lot of supplement work. You're a big advocate of if people's vitamin D levels are low, get them tested. And if they're low, supplement that, for example. But even there, there's different kinds of vitamin D to take. 
So how does the average person figure this out? Is that why going to your local chiropractor, to your local physician is so important? Because that's someone you've built a trust with rather than some guy hawking something on TV. Because he might be right, but he might not be. He might be right. He may not also know that you're taking such and such a drug. And such and such drug interferes uh, with that supplement or that supplement worse interferes with that drug. Uh, and then you're not getting the a full effect of that drug that you need. Um, you know, that's uh, definitely, uh, and you know, we see that too with just with doctors prescribing drugs. Cause I have six different doctors focused on different parts of my body and they're all, and they don't necessarily know. Maybe I forgot to tell them, Oh, the last time I went and saw my primary physician, he put me on this and so then I get to my pharmacy, and my pharmacist is like, hey, uh, I noticed that you're on this. Well, you're on this, too. Uh, they're not really safe to take together, so uh, what, do we get, what do we need to do about it? Yeah, which so, thing would you rather die of? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. But you're right. I mean, that's why the pharmacist is so important. Mm-hmm. But it, when it comes to natural supplements... That's why the person you're purchasing those supplements for, if you have one provider, I guess I'd say, then you know if I'm taking a B and a C and a D. And if I'm taking three different supplements that all contain vitamin D, it is possible to overdose overdose on fat-soluble vitamins. Absolutely. I just saw it this last week. I had a person whose vitamin D level was over 110, um, which... At 110, it's not super dangerous for a short period of time because this person, we did their blood work last year and their vitamin D was at 60. And uh, so I asked them, you know, how much are you taking? Well, whatever I'm getting in my other stuff, but I I do four or five drops uh, twice a day. And I don't recommend four or five drops twice a day as a maintenance dose. I I usually recommend five drops, depending on your dosage and all that. We're talking 1,000 IU, 25 micrograms uh, dosage. Um, some people need even less than that, but that's why we measure it. So that person needs to stay off supplementary vitamin D for at least a month to get that number to drop down. Um, and even then, if he, if he's go, if they are going to go back on it, they they need to go at a lower dosage than what they've been doing. It's so important that somebody be monitoring this. Uh, just the other day, I was at you know a dollar store, and I'm looking at all the kinds of supplements that are there, and you know I'm running through. Oh, cinnamon. Oh, that helps your blood pressure. Oh, cinnamon. That helps your blood sugar. Well, should I buy a big? thing of cinnamon tablets and just start chewing them up every day you know no i chose not to do that but we get all this information the other day i was getting ready for my trip to cancun and i says mosquitoes are a problem down there what can i do to prevent mosquitoes and they said high doses of vitamin b i thought well good i'll ask dr breeding about that tomorrow i don't want to pay dr breeding for an office visit i'll wait till he comes (laughs) to the mary griffith show and force him to give an opinion free of charge now Obviously, there may be some, they said, you know, anecdotal help, you know, not maybe proven. But how much vitamin B would a person have to consume before a mosquito would say, ooh, I don't like B, you're too much. You know, I haven't seen the clinical trials on that, Mary. So, uh, you know, the guy that used to stick his hand in when see if off yeah. spray worked. What do they do? Just get somebody to sit there and just, just take vitamin B out. as much as you can. And then the time you stick your hand in, then the mosquito doesn't bite you. That's the dose. 
I, I'd be I, willing to volunteer for that. Well, you're. Uh, <laughs> but there again, you know, I read that on the internet. Now I could go and go get a big bottle of vitamin B from just off the shelf. Yeah. And say, well, I don't want to get bitten by a mosquito. I, I'll take twenty today. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. There's there's no way that the average person can have enough knowledge to understand what really needs to be done. And of course, until you know, I wouldn't say, "Gee, I don't want to get diabetes, so I'm going to start treating myself with insulin." You wouldn't do that. You, right. you don't have diabetes. You don't need it. You've got to have a baseline. And you're really big into blood work, blood work, blood work. Absolutely. We got to have that baseline so that we know. Um, and, and basic blood work as even except for people that have a major fear of needles, right? It's so easy to get and so easy to, uh, give us that baseline so that we know. And like I said, with the, with the person we looked at it from over a year this time, that's how much it had increased. So we had a different number. And we were able to say, okay, this is this is why, because you've been taking more than what we told you to, this number is high, so we need to take less. And we caught that, bef- because he did basic blood work, we caught that before it can do a lot of damage. So. And you've said something that's true of chiropractors, medical doctors, of a lot of people. The patient doesn't always do what it says on the prescription label or what the doctor says to do. No, sometimes we get the Sam's Club philosophy where, you know, if one of these is good, 42 must be better. So. Uh. I'm sorry, doctor, that made me laugh. <laughs> I like that, the Sam's Club philosophy. But you're right. I mean, and that's the problem. If it's a water-soluble vitamin and I eat a whole bottle of vitamin B so a mosquito doesn't bite me, all that's going to happen is my body's going to crave water because I got to get that out of my system, and it's going out of my system. Yes, my body's not retaining that, which is the other thing that I was laughing about because I'm sitting there thinking, how many people think that I can get up in the morning and pop a vitamin B, and 12 hours later, you know, there's still enough of that the in my prevent system mosquito to bites. prevent a mosquito bite. Yeah. You know, if I'm at an all-inclusive resort, I've had enough mojitos. That yeah. the mosquitoes... <laughs> they probably leave you alone then right. anyway. They, I hear they don't like alcohol much either. Really, they so. don't? Well, then I'm not worried at all. Yeah. I don't yeah. need vitamin B. <laughs> but it's it's critically important, and I think um, we talk a lot about coenzyme Q10. That's kind of my personal parade, because I spent about $2,300 on testing that turned out to be unnecessary, because all I needed to have was my doctor at the time, my chiropractor, tell me, uh, you don't need this test. You need coenzyme Q10. Mm-hmm. I mean, and your medical doctor should have told you that. And when I brought that back, they're, oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell me that before I spend $2,300? No, they never do. So there are just so many things that we have to be careful what we put in our body. It's got to be monitored by somebody besides just us. Yeah, unless you're qualified to monitor it for, on your own, right? Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to Blessing Riemann School of Nursing <laughs> just to take care of myself. It would be cheaper. You know, if I, I go to if I could go right now, I think it'd be cheaper for me to enroll and spend four years in medical school and four years in chiropractic college. I'd come out ahead on all the medical bills I'm paying. But that's possible for it's some possible. people, you know. <laughs> I've got so many things wrong with me. Every time they try to fix one thing, yeah. something else happens. Yeah. I've often lamented that people don't know. 
anything really about their own bodies and how it works and how uh, how simple some of these things are. And but medically, we try to we always talk over people, right? And we we use big fancy words, and it it just drives me crazy. I, that's why I use so many analogies uh, because. I, and, and my analogies change based on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to an Amish person, I don't talk about cars. I talk about buggies, right? Uh, but I, I need to explain these things to people in a simple way. Uh, and sometimes the simple way isn't exactly what's going on, but it's close enough that we can understand it. And that's really what we need to do. We need to understand why we're doing it so that we actually follow through and do it the way we're supposed to. If we really did understand our bodies the way that Dr. Brandon Breening does, but of course we're not going to have that level of study that you have. And furthermore, you have gone on and gotten a specialty in the brain and in neuroscience, which, you know, the brain's pretty much where it's at. They can transplant a heart. We haven't had a brain transplant. Why don't we have a brain transplant, doctor? Now, that's a good question. I just thought of that. If I can get a new liver, I can get a new kidney, I can get a new new heart, why can't they figure out how to give me a new brain? Well, it's really too hard to rewire all those connections. You know, it's... uh, (laughs) You can't rewire onto something new. And besides, if you got a new brain, you wouldn't be you. You'd be whoever's brain you got. Ooh. That's okay. Maybe you could put a <laughs> put a brain in a new body. Is uh, oh, that's an interesting that, question. That's, that's more what they're. Here's they're, our internet poll of the to. day: Would you rather have a new brain or a new body? Ooh, well, mm. you know what? I think I'm I'd rather smart. have a new body, but <laughs> I'm pretty smart. But I don't remember anybody when I was 21 saying, "Mary, you're so smart." It was always, "Hey, baby, can I buy you a beer?" Okay. <laughs> Anything else for the good of the cause before I let you go? He came with all these notes, and I just sidetracked him. We'll, we'll always be next month. That, but yeah, that's okay. Is there anything you wanted talk to talk about? Talk about these amazing discoveries. Well, they did discover once again uh, overactive cell metabolism linked to biological aging. Uh, but they found uh, mitochondria. You know, I keep talking about mitochondria and how important energy production in our body is. Um, I think that a lot of long COVID is related to bad mitochondrial function. And if we can get that mitochondria up and working, because if your body, the, the analogy I use is I've bought all, I've bought all the materials for a wall. I give my body everything it needs, but I don't have anybody to do the work to put the wall up. So, uh, I don't have the energy to put the wall up. Uh, I don't have the energy to rebuild my body, so the mitochondrial function there is okay. super important. I saw a T-shirt around town that said, I wish Dr. Brandon Breeding would stop talking about me, and it was worn by a mitochondria. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you might want to just be a little bit nicer to the mitochondria. Really oh, I love sick. the mitochondria, the <laughs> powerhouse of the cell. They're sick and tired yeah. of you talking about them. Yeah, well. <laughs> don't talk about mitochondria. Be less important, and I'll stop talking okay. about them. So, folks, um if you're worried about one thing you can do today, be nice to your mitochondria. That's right. Okay. Coming up next, Chief Adam Yates. We're back. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. We go from talking about mitochondria to police enforcing. I don't know if uh, Dr. Brandon Breeding and Chief of Police Adam Yates were the best match to put on Tuesdays, but <laughs> it's certainly you can't say there's not a variety of topics 
How are your mitochondria, by the way, Mr. I, Yates? I wouldn't even know how to spell mitochondria, <laughs> so I, I, hope, I hope they're fine. That's what I rely on my doctor for. Chief Adam Yates is here, and it's interesting. I'm so glad you're here today. I wish you'd have been here yesterday when I had open phones and somebody called and said, all this graffiti going up over town. There's some on the side of the Quincy Symphony building at about 11th and Main. There's different tags, you know, over places. People are concerned. Is it gang-related? Is it some young budding junior high artist that his parents gave him a whole bunch of spray cans for Christmas? Uh, what's the situation with uh, all the sudden graffiti around town? Is there a gang affiliation that you're concerned about? Uh, I honestly haven't seen it, and okay. I don't have drive any idea. Drive by the symphony. I, I will, drive I will by 11th that. and Main. You'll have to go uh, a little bit out of your way to get back to work today. But I said it could be a variety of things. It could be gang-affiliated, um, or it could be a local gang, or you know, it could be somebody who's Artistic. Well, what what I will say is that it's vandalism, no matter what it's, it is, it's, yeah, it's all illegal. Um, but you know, as far as the intelligence that we're working with right now, I'm not familiar with any major gang issues that we're dealing with. Even when we look at our recent um, issues with with gun violence and shootings, um, there was nothing we found that was was specifically gang related. Again, I, I, there, there's gangs and then there's groups of kids that don't like other groups of kids, and I don't know that I would necessarily say that that's organized in any type of way. So uh, we'll have to take a look and see exactly what it is and, and go from there. Well, and, and the lady, one of the callers, and after that, I said, well, let's ask our listeners because they know. And she said that she had heard you speak recently and that you didn't think that there was a, you know, organized gang problem like a junior offshoot of Chicago or St. Louis trying to establish, you know, something here uh, in Quincy. But as you said... Uh, mean girls or groups of people will always affiliate the Hatfields and the McCoys could be around, uh, you know, in our local environment. And obviously one of the things that's really scary is um, the gun violence, the ability for people to get a hold of guns. And it's it's a never ending battle because when liberal groups complain about the access of guns or too much access to guns, conservative people go out and frankly purchase as many guns as they can so that they won't have their assault weapon banned. I'm going to get my assault weapon before anybody can ban it, or I'm going to buy this, or I'm going to buy that. We just had a story in the news, not here locally, but a four-year-old child got a hold of his father's gun and had watched enough cops and robbers stuff on TV that he went out and said, look what I've got to this kid that he was fighting with and Pulled the trigger. Now, the gun was not loaded. It had nothing in the chamber. But the four-year-old got access to a gun and understood how to pull the trigger. The father was taken into custody and is going to face some charges for, ironically, not so much for possessing the gun, because that's perfectly legal, but for allowing the child to have access to the gun. It's a, ch- it's a child abuse infraction. Correct. When we talk politics and liberals and conservatives argue about guns, doesn't it cause the pendulum just to swing one way or the other so rapidly and wildly that where we need to be is in the middle, but we can't get to the middle because the left and the right are so radical in their approaches that, you know, there's no middle ground? Well, it's funny that you mention the middle ground because um, those men and women that are out driving around in those squad cars are that middle ground. And... We are certainly concerned with gun violence and everything that goes along with that, but we're also concerned with ensuring that folks have their constitutional rights, whether it's the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment. Um, and it, 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 
I, I was watching some YouTube videos over the weekend, and it never ceases to amaze me how things get so polarized from one side to the other, and then we just get thrown in the middle of trying to deal with it all. You know, we talk about gun ownership, and you know, I like to use the phrase responsible gun ownership because those are the types of folks that we don't have any issues with. Have any problems with whatsoever? And, yeah. and I think one of the biggest frustrations that we see in law enforcement is when you you read a report or when you see on the blotter that somebody had two or three guns stolen from their unlocked vehicle that was parked on the street. Those are really the things that, that frustrate us because that is not responsible gun ownership. And I understand that, yes, people shouldn't be getting into your car, but if you leave your car unlocked and, and, and some juvenile commits a burglary and comes away with three or four handguns, which we've seen happen before, um, those guns are going to go somewhere. And now somebody that's not supposed to have a gun is going to have one. Um, that's really it really comes down to making sure that you're keeping your inventory uh, under lock and key that you're responsible for what's going on and that you know exactly who does and does not have access to your firearms and it brings up again uh i think because i've been in this position so long and have heard just the ceaseless arguing on both sides to where ugh, both of you shut up you know i mean this is not accomplishing anything I put myself, which is impossible because I don't have that ability, but I put myself in the place of an officer. So, of course, somebody saw this four-year-old with this gun. They call 911. An officer arrives on the scene, and there is a four-year-old child with a gun. You don't know if it's real. looks real. Now, this child is pointing this gun. I would say the average officer is not going to shoot a four-year-old child. However... You don't know if it's a real gun. You don't know if the gun is loaded. What if the four-year-old child is pointing it at you? I mean, obviously, I think a grown-up would be able to evade them, you know, duck or roll. or. Right. But can you imagine? Well, you can because you're a police officer. I mean, can you? I don't think the average person can imagine that that is a scenario that could happen in a police officer's life. If, if we don't get this under control, this could happen. Well, we deal with this quite often. I mean, and, and take it out of the realm of a four-year-old and make it a 10, a 12, you know, a 14-year-old that's running around the neighborhood with an airsoft gun that, you know, and maybe they're just playing with their friends or maybe they're out just trying to scare people or what whatnot. But, you know, we get these calls and we have to respond to them. And, you know, it all depends on the information that we're given on the front end, you know, it is really what the officer is using to get there and make a very quick assessment. I think, yeah, I agree with you that a four-year-old, it would be very hard for an officer to say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take action on a four-year-old. I mean, I, guess I, I would just try to bob and weave and, and get the gun away from them. But, um, you, you know, when it's something that's, that's a little more sinister, when there's, you know, a 12, you know, you know, 13, and, and we all know nowadays these 12 year, year olds are, are five foot, you know, five foot five. They weigh two hundred. I mean, they they look like just young people. Um, it's it's really hard to know what their intent is, and we always have to be very careful. Try to assess situations as quickly as we can. But yeah, it would just be a lot easier if we didn't have these situations to deal with in the first place. And so, one thing parents can do, you know, when they sell these uh, play guns, these play guns, they they usually have an orange barrel or an orange marking. I know that, you know, when you're playing G.I. Joe, you want it to look realistic, but it can't look realistic. If parents are allowing their children to take those orange parts off or paint over those orange parts or make it look realistic, you're really inviting trouble. You're, you're just asking for somebody to misconstrue, whether it's a police officer or somebody in their home thinking this 
14-year-old who's sneaking around in the bushes because right. they're playing G.I. Joe, and he gets shot by a homeowner who's afraid that this is an attack on, on their property or their person. It's so frightening. And yet, you know, so everybody says, well, get rid of all the guns. Well, the problem with that is, we all know, the criminals would still have them. Correct. I mean, I'm as liberal as they come, but I'm not that stupid. Yeah. And the other thing that's really scaring me lately, these ghost guns. So if I've got a 3D printer, forget tracking the serial number on this stuff. I won't even bother trying to steal the guns out of your gun safe or break into your home to get your guns. I'll just go get a 3D printer and make my own. You'll never figure it out. Yeah. And and there's no law. Every time we try to have a law to restrict something, they always come up with a way to get around that law. Yeah. Well, Illinois has addressed the ghost gun issue uh, in that ghost guns are now, or or what we call non-serialized firearms, um, they're illegal in the state of Illinois. So it, 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 if you could legally buy one and you could do whatever you have to do to it, you have, then have to take it to a federal firearms dealer and you have to have it serialized so that it actually has a serial number and it's recorded and everything like that. Um, I, I, one of the advantages, I guess, to ghost guns is they're terribly expensive to buy. Um, if you are able to buy an actual gun, you're going to go buy an actual gun from a gun store before you buy a ghost gun because you're going to pay a lot more for a ghost gun. But then again, that's the whole point. Is these are these are people that would normally be able to get a hold of firearms, but we've encountered a number of these non-serialized fire, firearms over the last year, um, and and it's it's an issue, but it's also an issue that again it, it's not something they're supposed to have, and if they have not taken it and addressed it accordingly with with the serial number, uh, I mean they can be charged for for possession of a non-serialized firearm. So. There are issues, but again, that doesn't keep on the front end of getting a hold of it to begin with and, and then doing something sinister with it. So, you know, without naming names, I mean, who has a ghost gun? Who are the people who want one? Obviously, I, I, I mean, again, you know, you're supposed to be innocent till proven guilty. Mm-hmm. Mary Griffith is more like, uh, you're guilty till proven innocent. I'd be a terrible juror, but why would I have one? I mean, okay, you pull me over for not wearing my seatbelt and sitting on the front on my you know front seat is a gun and the officer says miss griffith uh do you have i mean what is that doing there and, oh yeah that's my ghost gun i just made it on my 3d printer or whatever why would i have that why would anybody have that if they didn't have a criminal intent is it not just ipso facto possessing it means you're a bad guy well i, I mean i guess it I, I guess you could look at it like because who are you taking these ghost guns from? I mean, they're well, not... we we just recovered several during our most recent shooting investigation um, over at uh, uh, it was either the Sixth and Chestnut shooting or something like that. As we were following up, we located a couple at a house um, that we're looking. So again, these are these are teenagers, you know, young adults that that are coming either either they're buying them themselves and and they're, they're they modify them, um, I, you know, without. You know, releasing too much information. I mean, oftentimes. <laughs> don't tell me how to do it. No, but. no. But if you don't know what you're doing when you're buying these packages, you're not going to make the gun work anyway. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't look real. That doesn't mean you're not. You couldn't go out and commit crimes with it, and whoever you're using it against is not going to have any idea that it, it's not going to function. It's not going to fire. Um, you know, certainly if you were to get pulled over and pointed at a police officer, they're not going to know whether or not it functions or whether it's going to fire, and they're probably not going to wait to find out. Um, it's, it's, you know, again, it's, it's always folks that are just finding a way to get around the laws that exist. Um, and, and in law enforcement, we've, 
it, it's just how it is, but we've always played catch up with everything. You know, I mean, people come up with different ways to do things and then and then the legislature has to come up with ways to to either regulate that or make it illegal. And we're always, you know, I mean, months, if not years behind the curve on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I remember radar detectors, mm-hmm. you know, going across Kansas at 100 miles an hour. Beep, beep, beep. You know, obviously, you're just trying to scam out of getting a speeding ticket. Same way now they put the um, seatbelt thing on so that your car dings. Nobody can stand it. No matter how much you hate to wear a seatbelt, you will put it on because mm-hmm. you can't stand it. Old car like mine didn't have a dinger, so i got to remember to put my seatbelt on. But there's so many ways to get around right. things. You guys are constantly, I'm sure, every day uh, at roll calls like, guess what I saw? It's yeah. something bizarre that you, who would have thought? But the criminal mind they're, has great ability to if only you, they would get jobs. I was going to say, they're not probably going to work, so they're sitting around coming up with stuff to do. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate, but it, it's always been that way. So, you know, we're used to it. Well, I kind of just jumped in and started the attack right away. Uh, pretty good on your feet there, Chief Yates. Uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about today? Because you don't think there's gangs operating in Quincy, not, not full-fledged gangs like Chicago, St. Louis. Um, these ghost guns are becoming a problem, but... You know, you're doing the best you can with confiscating them and looking for people that might have them. What are some of the other issues that are uh, plaguing the police department right now? Besides, you've gotten some new officers on. You're still short of manpower. What are some other things, as you talk to our listening audience today, you want them to know about? Well, I I think probably one of the biggest things is uh, tonight at uh, the police aldermanic committee meeting um, at City Hall, I'm going to speak with the the three aldermen about potentially looking at a, a license plate reader program for the city of Quincy. Um, and, you know, there will be a lot more information that will come out about that. Um, but there's a there's a company called Flock Safety that, uh, that we have been uh, talking to and have had a demonstration from. And, and I really think that, uh, you know, we, we have body cameras, we have digital ticketing software, we have electronic crash reporting software. This is really kind of the next logical step in terms of technology assistance and law enforcement. There's, I mean, a, a number of Illinois law enforcement agencies that use uh, license plate readers. And w- what they do, for those that don't know, is they're, they're not enforcement. They're not, they don't catch your speed. They don't catch you running red lights. They literally just capture license plates. Um, and the theory pretty much is you put them kind of on your, your ins and outs of the city, and it, it just lets you, it basically captures who's coming and who's going from the city of Quincy. And then if we have a crime that's committed, um, that we believe it might be useful uh, to look. We can put a license plate number in. We can put a partial license plate number in. We can put a description of a vehicle in. Um, and, and we can try to get leads off of these license plate readers that allow us to you know, follow up with the registered owner of a vehicle. Uh, you know, a couple of examples that, that I've given, um, you know, the this, this shooting that we had on Broadway with, with this, uh, this white truck um, that was uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, we have very little to go on on that case, and we're still investigating that. But um, where we're thinking about positioning these cameras, had we had them at the time, we would probably know exactly the vehicle that we're looking for at this point. Um, there's a number of success stories you hear from law enforcement agencies across the nation using LPRs to find missing people, silver alerts, amber alerts, um, you know, organized crime rings that will come into Quincy, hit an ATM or hit a jewelry store or something like that, and and then leave Quincy right away. Um, it all provides tremendous evidence for us to follow up on investigations, and I really think that uh, it, it's it's time for us to look at with the fact that we're so shorthanded and we're having difficulty even even staffing our shifts 
um, we we need to start using technology more to help us out as far as criminal investigations go, and that that's a route we're looking to go. So. What about outstanding warrants? Would it tell you if somebody had an outstanding warrant? It does not. It okay. doesn't It doesn't attach to the person's information on the registration plate. What it will do is tell us if the license plate is, is wanted or stolen. So if it's a stolen car or it's, let's say the car was used in a serious crime in another jurisdiction or even our jurisdiction, um, it will it will let us know that information, but it's not going to tell us who's driving the car. It's not facial recognition. It, it's not even designed to take pictures. It actually takes picture of the back of the car, not the front of the car, to capture the driver. So um, no, nothing like no no personal identifying information is is collected with these cameras. It's literally just the back license plate of a car, and then we have to then do the leads and go to work after that. Thank you so much for that information. We look forward to talking to you next month. Thanks, Mary.